0: Jim, this is, we're sitting here with Jim Sprankle. Uh, this guy is uh, a renaissance man, if you would. He has uh, played Major League Baseball with both the Dodgers, the Brooklyn Dodgers, that is, and the Cincinnati Reds. He mm-hmm. got to hang out with the likes of uh, some major uh, characters, one including uh, Jackie Robinson. He, uh, do you have your uh, World Series ring on? I sure do. Oh, you never take that off. I love no, it. I do. I take it off. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then Jim, after, after you left baseball, he went into wood car- carving and he's, uh, very well known for his books and for his carvings and his, for, uh, his, uh, level of conservation for all, all things foul, uh, that being said, no pun intended. There, by the way, you mean foul, <laughs> foul,
1: <laughs> foul balls, foul birds.
0: Hey, I like that. Foul, foul mouths. Mouth. There you no go. No pun intended. Well, as you said, you know, uh, it's all about birds and baseball. So yeah. that being said, Jim, why don't you give us a little bit of background and tell us who you are and, and what you do and all that kind of stuff. All right. Uh, <clears throat> I grew up in Lafayette, Indiana, uh, not too far
2: from the campus at Purdue. And on my 18th birthday, uh, I signed with the Brooklyn Dodgers. I was in every major league park but three between May 15th graduation in high school and my birthday, July 22nd. In those days, the scouts could not give you a bonus. If you were going to get a bonus of any size, you had to go into the, the main city. And I think I was in every one but three. And on my birthday, July twenty second, I signed contract, twenty-five thousand dollars, and told my dad, Dad, I'll never have to work again. And the look that he gave me, he had a little German about four foot tall, the look he says, I'll bet you do. <laughs> so he was right. <laughs> so for eleven years, you know, I lived a dream. And when growing up, you know, My dream was, are you crazy? You're going to play baseball? You know, so it was something. I I guess you don't tell a German you can't do something because being hard-headed, and I'm going to prove to you I can do it. But, you know, for 11 years, just living that dream and playing baseball and meeting some wonderful people over the years, and my first job, Out of baseball, was working at a bank and doing public relations. And I'll never forget, they hired me in Binghamton, New York. And they had me up in the office to tell me, you know, the benefits that I was going to have working at the bank. And one of them was an employee loan. And I looked at these two ladies and they looked at each other and said, and they want to hire him. I didn't want an employee loan was. You know, I grew up you didn't buy anything unless you had money to pay for it. But it was, you know, it was a great experience working at a bank. It prepared me for the next step in my life, which was owning a commercial refrigeration business. And that came about because I was calling on these type of people. Time plan financing and public relations and met a guy that had four supermarkets, and we'd become very close friends. And he loaned me enough money to buy this refrigeration business, store fixtures of, man, was close to 80. And I paid him back in, I don't know, a couple of years. And that was in 19, I think, seventy-one, seventy-two, 72. And in 75, 1975, I had a cancer operation. My stomach, 70%. And the doctor says, you may live a year and you may live out me. So in a year or so, I sold a business. I started with three employees and ended up with 21. Sold a business and started carving full time. And, you know, they say a lot, you know, how in growing up or in life, one job prepares you for the next one. And in my case, that was so true. You know, it didn't prepare me to carve birds, but it prepared me to reach these different goals. And y'all you know, never forget, you know, how that worked when I look back at my lifestyle. So then I started carving full time, and that was in the 70. 70- well, I started carving in 68. But full time in seventy-six or seventy-seven. And you know, I've been carving ever since. And I started teaching carving and painting classes. Oh gosh, I know it was probably very early in nineteen eighty, maybe. Anyway, I was we had classes there. We lived at the time on Kent Island, Maryland, on the Chesapeake Bay. We had a school there. And we called it Green Wing University, Harvard of the South. And my wife would have 10 classes, 12 students in a class, and would have 10 classes. And there would be years that Patty, my wife, would turn away maybe 90 to 100 students. And I was getting students from all over, Japan, Germany, England, different places. And I ended up teaching in those countries and you know it just was and then after 30 years of teaching which wasn't that much i lose track of time it didn't seem like it was that far back but it just i did not want to stand in front of people and not be able to articulate and i didn't want to make a fool on myself <laughs> so i started just no more carving classes painting classes and then couple of years ago, at eighty eight now I'd say maybe at eighty six I decided, you know, I don't want to put my name on a carving that I know if things might be not quite right. people that buy them wouldn't, but I would, so I started slowing down, and now I'm to the point now where you know maybe a little songbird or something but you know, life has been so interesting for me, and it's just, I feel so lucky then to live on Sanibel. Gee whiz, I would have never heard of Sanibel, but it hadn't been for my
0: wife, Patty. And that was in the 90s when you came over and yeah. found it out? Yeah, we got here in 1994. Oh, you know what I forgot? You and I are supposed to have a drink. Could you grab one? Oh. Could you grab it? Yeah. I, I can't get them all tangled up over here. Sure. No, I, yeah, I can no. I don't
2: think the I guys should drink not, and talk. But,
0: no, no, no. We'll yeah. just go ahead and just relax and just to chat. Well, I'm relaxed. Can't you <laughs> tell? Can't you tell? <laughs> so when you were when you were 18, you signed with the Dodgers when you were 18. Mm-hmm. But you were a Yankee fan, right? Yeah, that's a very interesting story. I grew up a
2: real. I love the Yankees. So when I signed, and I did not He's like the Dodgers. The game, right? because the dodgers and the yankees were big you know competitors and when i signed my dad said to me which is so funny he says well he says thank you he says that's what money will do for you you hated the dodgers (laughs) it was he hadn't he never let me forget that but then when i bought him a five thousand dollar house He forgot all about that. (laughs) He thought it was a great idea. (laughs) How funny
0: is that?
1: Yeah.
0: Go (laughs) ahead and crack that open, man. Okay.
1: Jim, I didn't know you were a Yankees fan. I've talked a lot of trash about the Yankees. Oh,
0: I know, man. (laughs) I love the Yankees. That's why you move on, you know?
3: Mm, When you start talking
0: about Aaron Judge and the Yankees and... Those boys in the pinstripes, Jim kind of moves on real quick, and he's like, well, do you know him? <laughs> <laughs> I got a baseball next door signed by Aaron judge.
3: Oh, yeah?
2: Joe oh, Caddy, the guy that started the uh, buying bank. He gave it to me. He got it just recently. Wow. I was going to bring it in and give it to you, but I nah. <laughs> You'd end up playing catch with it. Oh, yeah, you right? don't want to
0: get rid of that, <laughs> no. man. That's something for the no. family to have.
2: But, you know, this uh, hurricane, when it came through, we had close to a little over 300 baseballs and 280-some were individually signed by members of the Hall of Fame. Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb, Connie Mack, Lou Gehrig. I mean, we had prospective Hall of Famers, and, of course, we had Jack Nichols, Arnold Palmer, Wayne Gretzky, LeBron James, and all kinds of other, you know, athletes. And, of course, now... They floated around in the house during the hurricane, and I may have 20, 30
0: of them left. Oh, but it
3: was Just and
0: nine presidents, single signature on baseball. So you were able to salvage, you know, 20 to 30 of them. Yeah, How many but, do you think you had overall?
1: Well, probably 340, oh. 50. I heard that you oh. had the largest autograph or baseball collection in the world? Oh, I don't know. I mean, that I don't know, but I could. okay, could. That's what somebody told so, yeah, me. Yeah,
2: some other people have told me. You probably have the largest. Okay. There's a guy down in, I wish I could think of his name, in Naples, that has the largest collection of sports memorabilia. I've never, his whole big house, first level, was nothing but uh, Hall of Fame players and uh, NFL football jerseys, all the winners, and whew, it was amazing.
0: But he didn't have you know that many baseballs. But oh, but to hear about those baseballs and some of them floating away in the golf—that's yeah. heartbreaking. Well, they didn't get in the golf. They never got out of the house. <laughs> they never got out of the house. No, but did you save them? Did you
2: were you able to grab and no. save them? No, they ruined. No, our son and a couple of his friends came in a couple of days before we did. And just a couple of days after the flood, and you know they threw away a lot of stuff they probably shouldn't have. Oh. But the baseballs, once they get wet, and especially signatures that were quite old, some of them, you know, the ink probably then wasn't as strong as maybe today. I don't. But the the baseballs weren't worth keeping. But it just you know I I think to be honest. 20 years ago, it would have broken my heart. Today, you know, I can't take them north
0: or south with me. <laughs> so I, I don't feel like it's the end of the world. But Well, it's not. The important thing was that you got out and you didn't have to deal with that flooding. Yeah. And you and Patty are okay. Yeah. And, you know, and as bad as it may sound you were able to salvage a lot of the stuff that you still have, you know? Yes. Even though you
1: were flooded. So just thank God you're all right, you know, and yeah. everything's fine. Yeah, yeah, we still we're sitting here in your house. I'd like to point out we didn't mention earlier, but we came especially to you. And you still have the place, still have the house. We're very, very lucky. You
2: know, you watch
1: the news at night. There's people
2: throughout the world don't have a place to sleep. E. I mean, at
3: least we are
2: could have been a lot worse, and we're very fortunate
0: to be where we are. And no, I think you're absolutely right, and I'm glad that you say that because I, I think I think we usually like you know give lip service to the poor, but yeah. that perspective that you have as far as hey, you know what, 20 years ago I would have been upset about those baseballs, but yeah. I'm not on the streets struggling to feed my kid, you know, or something to that effect. So I appreciate your perspective, but let's talk a little bit more about baseball. And then I want to talk about the wood carving that you, you know, your whole life, if I can, Um, you started playing at 18, you signed the contract.
2: I started playing when I was in third grade. (laughs) (laughs) My dad thought that's crazy. I'm going to pitch the Yankees. (laughs) You'd look at me. No, you're going to go to college. But the Dodgers got you first.
0: Yeah,
2: I right, was yeah. everywhere working out
0: Pittsburgh, and oh, like, that's cool. What an experience! Yeah. Though you traveled the country yeah. playing oh, baseball. I, know.
2: I just hadn't been any farther than West Lafayette. Yeah, <laughs> growing up.
0: <laughs> oh boy, and then travel- and then the, one of the coolest things too is that not only being a part of the historical fifty five World Series with the Brooklyn Dodgers, just the Brooklyn Dodgers in general, yeah. you also got to hang out with some of the most historical hike- icons. Yeah. Of, of the century, of of in baseball history, life, yeah. 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 You want you want to talk a little bit about that and tell us any. Tell me as many stories about the Dodgers and the Jackie Robinson and and Weiss and all of them, if you could. Well, the Jackie Robinson story
2: would be hard for me to to repeat because the N word was used a lot and different things and. I cannot put into words what he went through. I mean, I was not around him that much, so I can only imagine. But the short time that I would see him in spring training places, this man deserves all the credit for the way baseball is being played today. He, he set the stage. And I just, you know, his, I grew up in, Lafayette, Indiana. We had three colored Black Americans in our class. I didn't know there was any difference. I mean, then I go to spring training at Vero Beach, and they couldn't eat with us in restaurants. They couldn't sleep with us. Couldn't travel with us. We in the minor leagues on a bus on a road trip. They would take the white players in you know, the mot- hotel motel then they'd go across town with the one or two black athletes they couldn't eat with us that oh my
0: gosh i didn't grow up thinking like that what about the rest of the players did anybody say well, what the hell's going on why can't they come and eat with it did anybody or was it pretty much you know we just kind of don't say A anything
2: few did you know but uh most of the players. From the south, you know, southern states, had been used to that. But you grow up up north, it was, a, I think, a little different culture because I just couldn't believe what I was going through.
3: Sure. Yes.
2: I mean, you were a Yankee after all, right?
3: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> you know, the interesting thing his biggest supporter was Pee Wee Reese, and Pee Wee was from Louisville. And, you know, you would think, Maybe it would have been someone from Wisconsin, Minnesota, or one of those
3: places. But
2: it was just interesting to me that Roy Campanella was just one of the nicest people you would ever ever want to meet. It never entered into race relationships or anything with him. He just was a wonderful, and he loved the young pitchers. He just had a heart spot for the young
3: pitchers. Now, ooh. That's okay, Patty. <laughs> that's okay.
2: Well, I think he can put a lid on it. Or oh, not. yeah,
0: I can cut this out. That's yeah. okay.
2: I better have a sip of this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, drink it while you can. Um, do you feel comfortable telling the story about showing up? I, was it? Oh, I forget what stadium, what ball field you went to, yeah, and the janitor said something. Do you feel comfortable telling that story? No, I don't think I should. Okay. but um, Some people,
2: yes, some people. No,
0: no it's all right. Uh, we know that Jackie went through a lot. Oh, we?
2: did he ever?
0: Whew. Did you see that 42, that movie about him? You know,
2: I think I did, but I can't remember. Okay, hey, at eighty, I have trouble remembering my middle name.
0: <laughs> well, your gonna, name
2: was Roy or Ray?
0: Yeah, it was something it was like that.
3: And I, this I, is my boy Joe, yeah. or it
0: could be Jim someday. <laughs> oh, he's so your if boy I call now. you Jim, don't be <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I was just going to ask you if you, had, if you could remember whether or not the movie was cl- close in nature to what, you know, what those ballplayers went through. Um, but that's neither here nor there. So, okay, so you played for the Dodgers. And then when did you go over to the Reds? Well, in the 11
2: years, probably 90% of my time was in double-A AA and triple-A. In those days, A and n w a was very good baseball because they only had, what, 16 major league teams. Mm. So you had, when I was at Nashville, which I love Nashville, but that's another story. But when I was there, three guys on our team of 18 or 19, three guys were the only three that had not played in the big leagues. So oh, wow. we basically would probably had a big league team if we were playing today.
0: No, you're right. With all the teams it out was, there, it was. It was tell tough. the tell the Nashville story. Go ahead and if you love. Oh, it.
2: Nashville! I just don't get me started. I just I was there two years, and the first year in '57, I pitched three one hitters, and I just I just felt so comfortable there. The people, uh, we got to know. Eddie Arnold, Johnny Cash, Ernest Hubb and all those. If we were home on a Saturday night, they would start the game 5 o'clock so people could go to the second show at the Ryman, Randall Opry. So half of that front row was saved for the ballplayers, wives, relatives. So afterwards, Ernest Hubb's son, Justin, had a bar right behind Ryman in the alley there, and he he would bring over. Beer only and <laughs> would have a beer with Johnny Cage, And oh, it was just so you got to know them, and they like baseball like we loved their music.
3: Oh, ah, you're okay. All right.
2: <laughs> and it just was a love relationship. It just so you were a Yankee, but you enjoyed country. Oh, yeah. Well, I didn't even know what it was, so I got there and I went back. My first winter, the season was over. I'm telling a kid I grew up with who ran a local radio station about country music. He what the hell is that? Hey, Dwayne, country music, dude. <laughs> 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 but I just, of course, today, I, that's the only thing I play up here. Oh, is that right? Eddie Arnold was the president of the, the baseball team. It was a community-owned team. The players are all... Uh, you know, Cincinnati Red organization, from their organization. But he would come to spring training and this. And uh one year when Patty and I got married, maybe it was the first year we were in Washington, D.C., and Eddie Arnold was playing there, and he saw me, and you know, I sat in the first or second row. <laughs> so Pay. Didn't want to go meet him
0: afterwards <laughs> now she w- wishes she had <laughs> but, but. Well, you got to Johnny Cash man that's mm-hmm. that's good music right there. Mm. I don't care if you like country music or not that's good music, and he always had a message, yeah, now I like yeah, that. that's right,
3: yeah,
0: okay, so you, you were in Nashville, you played for the Reds, eleven years baseball goes by, you find yourself out and then you become you go into banking banking no. What is uh, an employee loan? I I I can employee smize.
2: loan, is when you want to buy a car, you go in, get the employee loan
0: and you make monthly payments. So I see. So they were gonna get so, they, they went to hire you and then they gave
3: we're gonna give well, you an if employee. If I ever loan.
0: wanted, you know, a public loan or I'd get at a probably a low rate, I don't remember. But oh, sure. I know what. Sure. And then you and then you started your own business. Yeah. Well, do you wanna uh what happened to that business? Is it still part of your family or did
3: you sell no. it?
2: Part of, well, when I had to sell it because of cancer, and the doctor says you may live a year and you may outlive me. Sold the business and started carving full time. I well, was
0: 76. What type of cancer did you have? Stomach cancer. Oh, you did? <laughs> they took it out? Yeah. Oh, boy. You know,
2: if you have to have cancer, you're better off to have it today than yesterday, because they're always coming up with new methods and things.
3: Yeah, Back you're right. Yet,
2: in those days, I don't know. I was damn lucky.
0: Darn lucky. No, you can, hey, you say whatever you want to say. You can say damn oh, I shit. I say whatever what I want to say. Why? I'd be in trouble. Oh no! No one's gonna get you in trouble.
1: <laughs> if oh, anybody's gonna get in trouble, my it's boy knows this what guy. I'm about. Remember, foul, foul birds, foul balls, and foul language. Everything goes. I love spank. that.
2: <laughs> I gotta remember that line. I'll forget t- it by separate time. <laughs> <laughs> foul balls, foul Something birds. Okay, and foul language. <laughs> all <have>
0: acceptable.
1: <laughs> yeah, <that's> all right. <laughs> so, so, I might even. Yeah, go ahead. Say I could even say everything flies.
0: <laughs> we're going, we're going with puns now. That's what we're doing. Yeah, I remember her uh, <laughs> <laughs> in Nashville. No, <laughs> you, now, know,
2: we'd
3: you moved. You go in into to
2: Birmingham, to... Memphis, Chattanooga, Atlanta, Little Rock, or uh,
3: what's down close to Houston. Uh, New Orleans, and we'd check
2: into a, a hotel or something, and and the g- guy say, "Oh,
3: uh, Mister Jones, Mister Smith, are We have a note here for you." It'd be a tomato, <laughs> tomato, hot tomato, girl. Oh,
2: yeah, <laughs> I, Mister Jim, I went to school with you. Blah blah blah. We get together and have a drink. Yeah,
0: I mean, it was just wow. That doesn't sound too bad. It sounds like you were living like a rock star well, a little bit. You're vulnerable. Sure. Today at my age, you don't have any other anybody telling you you got a tomato. <laughs> <laughs> you never heard that. Had you? No, I never heard it either. Tomato, hot tomato. Well, I, I mean, I know a hot tomato. I mean, I haven't heard that in a long time though. <laughs> but that makes sense. So what was your favorite place to be? Was it Nashville?
2: Nashville by far. Really? Just uh, Yeah, about three or four years ago, they built a new baseball park. The park that they have is called Sulphur, Sulphur Dell. And you come in off the street level, and you went down into this ballpark. Well, the right field was 247 feet, but it had a screen. It went up maybe 50 feet. And there was a bank about like this, where the right fielder stood about halfway up. It was, but it was a legend ballpark. I mean, oh. Anyway, they built a new park, and uh, they invited me to come up. This Patty went, I think, I, I don't know if James went or not. I think it was just Patty and I. We were invited up, and I was to throw out the first ball. Strike? Oh, it was before the game.
0: No, you know, no, how yeah, they did throw you throw off. a
2: strike? Of course no. it was a strike.
0: I, no. What am I thinking? Of course.
2: No. No, it
0: wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't in the dirt. No. Or not, the, no. not on the fence. But
2: the scoreboard in right field, from center field all the way over to right field, was this huge guitar. Oh, that's cool. And that was a scoreboard. That's nice. cool. And it said... Welcome home, Jim Sprankle.
0: Oh nice.
2: Holy shit. I was just whew. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: that is, yeah. Would you take just,
0: Nashville over Sanibel? No. Yeah, same it gets category. too cold
2: there. It'd be in the same I category. see.
3: People Different. here
2: are so nice. I mean, they're so giving. You know, I was present five years as a friends group here and like Person can get along with our board. Thought that the staff, you know, the bingardian staff, government, that they work for us. No, it's the other way around. So five years, I was the only one to get along with them. But we raised the five million to build the education center, and it's just people knew when the key turned, the government was going to own it, but they gave the money to build that, that's, that's the type of people that live here are so giving, and they're not walking around with diamonds in their lapels and like some places. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now let's, uh, okay, so we're done with baseball. You did banking, you own a business, and now uh, you went into artistry. You became an artist, but you were probably an artist your entire life. Why, why birds? Why, why did you start carving and getting into birds? You know, that's a good question.
2: Uh, you know, I just, I guess you, I don't know anything about animals, you know, squirrels or rabbits or whatever, pheasants. And waterfowl was something that was always something I found very interesting. And, you know, I think playing 11 years of baseball, they do not teach you how to lose. And the first year that we went to Shinketig duck hunting in January, we went out to Tangier Island in a boat rental to duck hunt. Well, Tangier and Crisfield is close to Salisbury, where they had the world champion carving each year. And uh, the people at Tangier say, oh, yeah. They were mumbling on about the world championship in Salisbury. So on our way home, we go right. Through, we stopped, and I found out. So I came down a couple months later to the world championship, and I just I got hooked. I was oh. never taught how to lose, and I just went wild. I think that's when I think that was when I lost wife number eighteen. <laughs>
0: She was a hot tomato. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, okay. But, so, oh, that's cool. Actually, did you comp- and you competed in these uh championships? Oh, right away. Really? Right away. I. Wow. Yeah. And so, and then you found so you found the waterfowl to be the most interesting. Well,
2: that's what the waterfowl uh is that uh, you somewhat carve what people relate to, and people in, you know, Indiana, Maryland wouldn't relate to a rosy as spoonbill. And down here, there's more spoonbill than ducks. So you sort of learn, especially if you're making a living, carve what people relate to. Huh. So.
0: Did you ever take up birding by any chance? Birding's big down here. Did you ever take that up?
2: Well, I don't know to what degree for 20-some years I had an aviary with over 20 North American species of waterfowl. And when you see something every day, you know what they can do anatomically. And my guess is that helped when it came time to judge the federal duck stamp twice. (laughs) Because I knew what the hell I was looking at. And you know, they'd have people there, I shouldn't say, but they had people who didn't know a duck from a turkey, but they owned a business, you know, Sporting goods or something
1: and sure. I would give call, the government a lot of money. I, I'd call twenty years with one's own aviary duckworthy yeah. or um birding for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean that sounds like it, whether you liked it or not, it's birding for you know, and down here the birds, I mean, there there's a reason why this is a hotbed for birding, for birders. So What's your favorite uh, waterfowl, or do you have one? You know, I
2: I have a bird that's on display up at Dingara in Permanent. There's 50 birds up there, one for each year, flat bottom, one for each year that I've been carving. And one of them went around the world in an art
3: exhibit. Uh, I think it was, I don't know what museum. But anyway. The one that went
2: around was a blue winger and a cinnamon teal hen. And they're the hardest to paint hens. I mean, in competition, you might have 30, 40 shovel or drakes. You might have two or three hens. It's harder for people to paint a hen than it is because the, the feathers are brownish and they're soft and, you know, just. But, you know, I had. I. You can cut this out.
3: Sure. Delete it. Sure.
2: But someone the other day asked me, what's your favorite bird? I just not this one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, she got a laugh out of it. <laughs> <isn't> it? <laughs> uh, I was going to say, um, with with your carving, so Jim, you, you not only carve the bird, you, you've done taxidermy with yep. waterfowls. Yep. You've also, you style the bird, you, paint the, style it, you paint the bird oh. yourself, and then you photograph the bird as well. Yep. And then you've also published, or have had three books published. Yeah, we had three, they're here someplace, and we had one book about
2: like this, and it was Patterns. You know, they were life-size Patterns, so you needed a bigger book, of course.
0: What do you mean by patterns?
2: Well, it's the side view and a top view that you have to have for a piece of wood. So when you rough it out with a bandsaw, you cut, you know,
0: the top view and the side view. That's how you start. Well, and that's the final, that's the other piece that I missed there. So one of your books was about you know, education and how to like how to carve, huh? Right. And then you taught yeah. you taught carving for a while.
2: 30 years.
0: Did you find you probably found great joy in that too.
2: I enjoyed teaching as much as I did the carving, and I think that the teaching came at the right time. We lived in Maryland. We built a house on Chesapeake Bay, and we built my studio. Well, about halfway through building the studio where I could carve it was about 150 feet from the uh, the house that we're building. We were on 1800 French foot of water, so I put the aviary right my new building where I was gonna carve. So about halfway through I said, Patty, my wife and daughter are out on the beach and I just had this brainstorm. I think I should build an addition to my work area and teach classes. Ah, cool. So I did. And she, Patty just supported me and and then right in front of the class was this aviary. So at lunchtime, you know, we'd furnish lunches. And at lunchtime, they could go out there and photograph and have their lunch and watch the ducks. And I think that might have been a part of the reason people wanted to come because they got a, a double dose. <laughs> it's just, uh, do you feel I like, love the teaching.
0: Do you feel like that enhanced your um, artistic ability? I don't think I'd heard it. Right, It'd be, I had it set up where
2: I'd do a carving class, and there'd be a week in between, so I could finish that carving. And then the painting class, everybody'd have a molded bird exactly like the one that they'd carve a week earlier, two weeks earlier. So I was
0: double dipping. Them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's still still like, I know from my perspective when I'm teaching. Uh, as a part of the residency program, I find myself to be uh, more creative afterwards. Interesting, You know, or wow. uh, more inquisitive with the students. Mm-hmm. And it leads to, I would say, more revelations or uh, a crisper understanding of what you're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. So I feel like education really, um, it's kind of selfish. So I get more from teaching than i feel that my student does Mm. and that may not be true because the student's starting from the ground from the bottom right Right. but i still feel like i I get a lot and that's why i love it so much did you do you have that similar perspective yeah i i enjoyed the teaching and i think
2: one of the biggest reasons was that i the first day or two in teaching you have to encourage not discourage And it's so easy for me to put my arm around a guy and say, look,
3: dude, look, look, they're that far
2: away from greatness. You know, it's just bullshit. And I just enjoyed it. And by the end of the week, I could see where they had improved so much. And I even had one situation that I saw, the parking lot, which was right between the house and the school. Here was these two old guys, retired. One was a lawyer and one, I think, was a dentist. We used to get a lot of dentists take classes because they were use huh. those tools. And the one guy, had tears in his eyes, he enjoyed it so much and blah, blah.
3: Oh, that's special. Oh, I'm sorry. I oh, you're yeah.
2: Oh, my God. So the reward for me was seeing mm-hmm. them struggle
0: at, and then at the end of the week, be so happy and leave. And, no, you're right, though. That's yeah. I find that to be true, and I'll, I'm going to go back to baseball in a second because, uh, you know, my kid plays ball, mm-hmm. and I help out. And um, these kids, that they struggle. They don't know what a press step is. They don't mm-hmm. understand why you get under the ball to catch it with two hands. They don't even understand to catch it with two hands. They don't understand. Well, you
2: don't see it in the big leagues anymore. No. I mean, you if don't. you did that when I was playing, boy, you're a fucking hot dog.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, that, hey, fucking hot dog. That's right. But I mean, they don't understand certain concepts. They don't understand the, the, the reason for a two-strike approach. They don't understand mm-hmm. the, the reason to be aggressive at the bat and why getting down, coming down one strike is harmful and then going oh and 2 is even worse. You know, you want to take the advantage from the pitcher. And if right. you're the pitcher, you want to have the advantage in throwing strikes. Yep. But, you know, like you said with that guy, you build them up. You build them up. Yep. If you give them negative information, it just feeds the negative. It's just outcome. like your young son. Yeah, positive gotta encouragement.
2: Be. Not like my dad. You can't do that.
0: Yeah, but that probably that's on like that. field your desire to. to yeah, almost prove that you could do a lot do it. of
2: hard headed.
0: He's German. <laughs> that helped me. <laughs> no, did you find that to be true though when you were coming up? Because I mean. To be honest, Jim, you signed with the Dodgers when you were still a kid, you know, you really were. And you did it yourself. You did it yourself before before you had a chance to get pulled into college. Did you find that the coaching kind of mirrored exactly what you experienced when teaching? Yeah, it had to have, you know, at
2: some level, some degree. And I think, you know, managing, I've had opportunities to manage. Sparky Anderson wanted me to be advanced scout the major league team
3: and i think with the managers the successful managers are people men in
2: this case that can you got 18 or uh, whatever the number is players they're all different right i mean some of them you got to kiss their butt butter them up and some you got to hey uh, you know, you're not doing this. You're not. You have to know how to handle
0: each of those. But you found that when you were coming up, and you were receiving a little bit of that positive reinforcement. well I played better. Yeah. When I was getting it. So. Yeah, yeah. And what 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 type of pitches did you throw? Oh, I I need to say you're a right-handed pitcher. Mm-hmm. So what type of pitches did you? Th- what was your? Uh- My number one pitch.
3: Yeah overhand curveball, not here, here. And it was a pitch that I
2: indicated that hitters after a while knew when I was going to throw it. How'd you do that? Well, because my wrist would be here. Yeah. fastball would be out like this. <laughs> They're like, oh, and I shit. <laughs> by
3: fireman, my best.
2: And I learned that early in high school
3: by a, a man. Named John Eberly, he, you know, he was a coach, and he taught
2: me more about pitching, and it just paid off. I mean, he just and he's the one that taught me to overhand curveball.
0: Is that right?
2: Did you know, you- I don't know if you can remember this, but probably not because you're not old enough. But years <laughs> ago. Years ago, (laughs) the pitchers, starting pitchers, would warm up between the dugout and behind home plate. Right. Yeah. And it got to the point where, I mean, they could study. Right. You know, curveball, you come down this,
3: and fastball, you do this. Yeah. I mean, you just go. So it's. Exactly. Now the bullpen's.
0: Far away into the outfield, covered up a little bit. You can't see him. With a yeah. camera. <laughs> <laughs> now, what else shit. did you throw? You threw a fastball? fastball. Four and two seam, probably. You know,
2: in those days, you know, I don't know to this day. <laughs> I think it was average, maybe a little above average fastball speed. Sure, sure. But I think, you know, Johnny Pesky, who was played for the Red Sox, was the manager one year in one of the minor league teams, I think it was in the Texas League, and he says you got to learn to throw a slider. Mm-hmm. You know, well, a slider you throw like a football. You know, slice it. So, geez, all of a sudden I lost my curveball. Oh, because I see. my wrist. You know, I just very similar. so you got to be very careful when you're. Did you jumping. throw? Did you throw anything else? A cutter or a sinker or anything? Well, no, overhand. Curve ball, fastball, and a changeup.
0: Change up. That was the three
2: what basic type,
3: pitches.
0: What type of changeup did you throw? Well, I don't know. back up so, you hold it back in your hand.
3: Uh-huh.
2: And you throw it just a normal. But to get the fastball fast, get it out on the end of your fingers. But you put a ball back in your hand. Right. And that's what
0: slows it down. That's exactly right. And but you th- gotta throw it the same motion. Yeah, that's it's it's really interesting to see. To hear people coach, you know, for the most part, kids are still under like, you know, the umbrella, like they're not getting a lot of good quality Mm -hmm. coaching and they get a lot of that negative reinforcement. And then we tell them, hey, do this and do this, but they're not being coached to, to know how to do it. So you're expecting them to do something they don't know how to do. Exactly. Yep. And so a lot of kids don't understand Hey, I need to hold that fastball on the tip of my fingers. If I go, if I go with my fingers like this versus like this, there's a change in speed there. Yep. There's a change in spin. So, but what, and your favorite was overhead, uh, curve. Um, did you have different arm slots that you threw out of it? sounded like you kind of indicated that. Well, rarely would I throw a three quarter curveball. You threw your fastball always overhead. Okay. I see. That's pretty cool. And I'm glad that you said that you could kind of see the difference with teaching and learning baseball. You know, I was told, probably John
2: Everly, but then I kept hearing it all the time after I got into baseball in a professional way. Your arm is no stronger than your legs. Yes.
3: And boy, there is a lot to that. Because... Sure. So in the winter, I would... Go back to Lafayette. I had—I don't know what
2: they call them—things you put on your ankles, weight, mm-hmm. and you strap them on your ankles, mm-hmm. and I would go run, snow, whatever. I would go certain time, certain days every week.
0: <laughs> you may have been I ahead of just, the fitness curve there.
2: I was just wacky. But, you know, I think, too, what really helped me was growing up in Lafayette, the president of Purdue University was Frederick L. Hovde at the time. His son was in our graduating class at Lafayette, Jeff. So we had access to a lot of things at Purdue. And they would allow me to come over to the field house, bring someone that could catch me. And I knew how to get in on Saturdays and Sundays when it was closed. <laughs> oh, but neat. But, you know, so, oh, wow, that's cool. So I was able to work out and do things that, you know, that's why in the scouting world of baseball, you live in the South as a high school kid, you're going to get three, four times more baseball games come spring and summer. And a kid living in Indiana, sure. where Jesus could be snowing first week or two of May. But do so you think, there's
0: a big difference. Do you think that also helps that player though, because he could save his arm for most of the year,
2: oh, whereas the southern sure.
0: players, yeah, living in the South, absolutely. And I was I was uh, watching a game last night, a college game, and they were talking about the the dying breed of your baseball scout because now it's all analytics. Yeah. I don't know
2: nothing about.
0: Yeah. Oh. It just it's just changing, You're just morphing. Baseball's more exciting than ever now because they shorten up the time and they change yeah. the rules. You can't sell enough tickets, it looks like the ratings or well, like enough beer.
3: It. But yeah. i a concession stand. <laughs>
2: Jesus.
0: That's two innings, maybe the twenty minutes? Yeah. That's a beer for most people. Another beer, maybe. So yeah, so <laughs> then so you taught a lot for your uh, you know, carving birds and it sounds like you made Quite a difference in most people's lives. I can tell you right now, you I still get letters
2: from students, just calls. I got one from a guy in Canada a couple of days ago. Oh, that's
3: great! And you haven't taught in how long? I haven't taught since oh boy, two thousand fifteen or 16
0: Well, I tell you, five or six years. Getting to know you, you are a memorable person. And very personable. You, you. Well, I, I mean, I don't know this to be true, but it seems like it is the case. You seem to be very loving and very caring, and I
2: get a lot of hugs.
0: <laughs> sure, you do. <laughs> Jesus. Last night we went to a
2: thing of fish. Are You familiar with fish here in the island? Uh, no, I haven't eaten over here in a long oh while. God. What they do on this island for people that don't have food or need hospital? So they
3: had a fundraiser and i don't know there was 150 some people there wow yeah just uh
1: what kind of fish know, did you have a salmon <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, a local favorite <laughs> <laughs> a, local, a local uh northern atlantic favorite
2: yeah there you go you didn't have any With duck. ketchup and, and brown sugar oh wow now <laughs> we're talking tonight because i didn't eat much of it because i wanted it tonight sugar and brown sugar and oh, and ketchup and ketchup.
0: oh that's a different taste wow. hmm. check
2: that out yeah I used to teach in uh, Anchorage once a year uh, I'd fly up a week long class and it would take me fishing the last day for, just for the halibut got it no pun intended, <laughs> halibut. and I, I, I ate brown sugar ketchup salmon first time oh my god
0: is that a thing up there
2: ketchup yeah and- i never really? heard of it until i got up there i didn't mm. hear about well, it yeah. until today oh well, well there you go i, I know brought- what i'm having for dinner huh tonight tonight that's what i'm having so yeah. salmon with ketchup and brown sugar mix it brown sugar and ketchup together like a sauce and spread it on the salmon
1: i may have to actually go a few i may have to put a few lines out there in the in the in the harbor or in the pass until i get a salmon Do you, i don't have, have, it. I don't have any while. at home
2: Yeah. (laughs) Better go to
1: Costco and
0: get (laughs) it right away. You eat it like that. You don't cook it like that, though. Well, if I'm
1: doing it
2: on the grill, which I do a lot, I put it on, and then the last,
3: I put a little bit at the
2: end. Then I always have enough mix that
3: I can eat some of it. (laughs) I love that ketchup. I got to ask you, do you eat any fowl? You don't
0: have to you don't have to uh say, but do you have any ducks or anything do you eat any of that i, don't, I never I ate a lot of ducks, but I never was that crazy about them. I'll tell
2: you what I did like was pheasants pheasants yeah yeah in Indiana
0: pheasants are you know farm, oh my God, everywhere that surprises me because it yeah. seems like a lot of people that I, I meet and i i uh know from the northeast they like their uh shellfish. Yeah. And they like their uh, they like their duck, yeah. you know? It's a very, very popular meal. You know, I
2: found out when I was playing the baseball that oysters were going up in the What the hell is <laughs> an oyster? What is that? Well, when I found out that uh, that charges up your battery. <laughs> you, you ever heard that? Yeah. 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 Oh, I started to like them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, that's hilarious! We'd
2: go to New Orleans, and I, there was this famous oyster place right close to the
0: hotel. New Orleans is—that's a fun town. It was. It was a nice city. Yeah, I have I, I don't but, know. I haven't yeah. been. No, I haven't been through Nashville. I liked. Did you have you gone through Memphis? Mm. You like Memphis too?
2: Had a, a guy that played on our team in Great Falls, Montana. I can't. but he was a pitcher and he got released went back to memphis and was a cop well his day off he was a elvis presley guard like you know so first time we went into memphis he came to the park to see me and talk hey how would you like to meet elvis really elvis the pelvis is his brother Enos the penis there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just so I don't know if it was the next time. We go in three times a year to each city games. So he took me out. It was on a Saturday afternoon. Elvis was there, and uh, there were two or three hot tomatoes there. Sure.
0: Uh-huh. The real Elvis. Yeah. You got yeah. to hang out and meet Johnny Cash. Oh, a lot of Ernest and, HUB. Wow, thanks, no, all
2: them. Folk. That's, That's cool. Fell in love with that music. Sure. And there was an old lady. What's her name? Old enough to be my mother. Well, here's this kid. You know, I had twenty one or whatever, still peeing green. And <laughs> the older guys in a club just busted my balls. It's this grand old opera lady. She played. Yeah. Very well-known. I don't know. who, But they tried to get me. She wanted a date, you know, and go out with me. Oh. <laughs> what? She's all happy. My grandma. <laughs> uh, did you go? No, oh. I never did. But I did do, do one mistake. There's a Maxwell House mot- Hotel in downtown Nashville. Very famous place. But they had a barbershop there. I'd never heard of a woman that cuts men's hair.
3: No. Never heard of. Never heard of that either. So, oh Jimmy, you gotta go. No. and I well, finally I did. I think it was the second year that I played in Nashville, 57 and 58. I went. Well, they the older guys in the club knew. You know, so she is licking my ear.
2: Yeah. Right. <laughs> was she a hot tomato yeah one not bad and you passed yeah i did because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know i just go on a lot of crazy stories over the years
0: yeah it sounds like it <laughs> some of them i can't repeat <laughs> no i understand you, you now you're this accomplished wood carver artist if you will educator and you said earlier that you're slowing down i don't Oh, yeah. Why? Why? Why are you slowing down?
2: At eighty-eight, I think it's like I'm tired, of my boy Jonah. I can't walk from here. To that goddamn window! You think I've walked a mile?
0: Is that right? Uh-huh. Well, I got to do something about that. Why? Well, I, I know. Is it just you? Just get tired? Yeah, you know my back. Yeah,
2: I can sit here for hours and have no back pain whatsoever. Right now, I don't even know I have a back problem.
3: Yeah. Get up and
2: walk the TV. That's a comfortable
0: couch for sure. But, (laughs) well. Tell me about it. It's a shame. So, you slowed down on the carving because of it? Well,
2: I think that's had a lot to do with it. Is that right? I don't want my name on a piece of crap. Oh, yeah. And I, I know what I'm doing
3: is right or wrong or. Most people that would buy the carving wouldn't know. I know. And I don't want my name on something. I see. Just, I can understand that. I mean,
0: I you care about what you do. So what's the next chapter for you? What do you intend? Uh, do, you do Are you going to publish another book? Or no, are you going no. to? What
3: do you have? Any we plans? did
2: five video videotapes. Back when we were doing books and tape. And we had our own. Paintbrushes made in Germany,
3: you know, to my spec, feathers and do different things. Wow. But I just, I'm enjoying life to some extent. I'm very depressed most of the time, but. Why?
2: I think one of the big things is when you've been active your whole life. Yeah. And all of a sudden you can't do squat, you know, and my wife, bless her heart. She is busting her butt, doing things that I normally would do,
0: and I feel like a jerk. And is that because it's hard to, Because
2: like, I can't do—
0: Because you
3: can't move around, or— No. I can't lift. Says who? Any, anything heavy. Why? My back. Yeah, but you got to condition it. Well, let me tell you, I've
2: had so many operations. Yeah. I've got a knot on my back. I don't know if I ever had you feel that knot. It must stick out that far in my back. Just a knot of tissue? I don't want it. Is. No, it's too hard. It feels like a bone. Is that right? I don't know. I, now, I had they- an operation about a year ago. Maybe two now. I lose track of time. In December. And it was supposed to be a repair job. Blah, blah, blah. I forget what the doctor's name was here. And I walked in, you know, a pain, but I couldn't walk after he had this operation. I had to have a cart. So then about a month and a half later, I had another surgeon do an operation. And it made it even worse.
3: Oh, jeez,
0: No more surgeries, right? No, no more.
3: Yeah, I don't blame no. you. And then you hear, oh, I'm sorry.
2: Nah, you're fine. I. You know, I just hear so many
3: older people in particular that have these operations. I've had two good friends here in the island,
0: about my age, not quite as old, have operations and never came out. I just hate the fact to hear that you have somebody, uh, you know, who wants to be physically active, wants to move around and do more, feel that they can't because their back won't keep up with them. That's yeah, sure it is. That would that would that would be very depressing for myself, yeah. you know. You know, I wake up at night
3: all this shit going on in my head about well, How much fun. But I enjoy this. The, the shit going on in your head. What are you talking and this about? This is called
2: blabbermouth
0: soup, our <laughs> house. <laughs> Patty calls that he that blabbermouth soup. Any time, Jim. I'll sit down and hang out with you anytime. <laughs> yeah. Um, you guys are the greatest. Oh, uh, ah, yeah. you're pretty great yourself, man. I mean uh it. Okay, I, is there anything else you want to talk about? Well, let's or? talk
2: forever. What right? else do you want to talk you.
0: about? Well, you, you asked a question. Oh, I
2: can't. Th- <laughs> what do you do? Do you do anything? Joe, you've got something on your mind I can
0: see. Smoke. Yeah, he hasn't no. asked any questions, has he?
1: <laughs> he can't get a word in, poor guy. I may have asked a few. What, what are you thinking, though? You, you were cooking something.
0: Well, I was going to ask if you, if you have done any... Like, I know you're very receptive to children coming over to ding darling learning about birds and fowls and education do you do anything else with the youth at all youth no not no. now
3: this age they have a, a ding darling it's called Woe. wildlife
2: on wheel it goes all over the state the uh, kids and they this bus is like a museum there's all kinds of Art and there of birds and species and identifications of all that, and that's the Ding Darling Wildlife Society sponsors that. And you know I'm well, not anymore, but president five years and was very active, and I still enjoy going over. Not that I deal with the kids, but there's people coming in all the time. Where where's is, uh is Jim here? This past week on Tuesday. I had a couple of men from Wisconsin to meet me.
3: They give you a hug. Uh, She did at the end. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. You got any questions over there, big guy?
1: No, I'm not. I'm not uh, asking questions, especially when I'm asked if I have any questions. (laughs) Yeah. You know. A little harder. I've just enjoyed hearing the stories. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate you telling us and having us over and talking well, with hey, us and letting us record some of them. I you know we, we've known you for quite a while and talked quite a few times. But not and like this. Not, not like this. Not quite. <laughs> no. But that's why we wanted to do it, because we knew, we knew what gold it was, what gold you had to share.
3: Uh,
0: we like to uh, share with the world information on uh, nutrition and health, physical health, and then we like to, on the side, we like to interview people that we find to be very interesting people that have a lot to offer to the world. And in doing so, we're hoping to like build a following of listeners that are interested in our conversation, our interviews, that um, could potentially monetize the uh, the podcast. And our intention is to donate that money to um, Cystic Fibrosis oh. Muscular Dystrophy Association and spinal muscular atrophy to help further along the research and treatment and the provisions of children in need. So that was that was that the whole purpose of this. You didn't know that, did you? No. And look at what you're contributing now. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're a big you're a big uh a part of what we're trying to accomplish. And I I'm so grateful that, you know, to have you around and to be able to sit down and chat and you know, shoot the shit with you a little bit. You know,
2: for me, now that you brought that up, a couple of years ago I got a letter from the lady who's sort of head of the society. And I had given some thousand dollars to Ding Darling and auction items and different things. And it makes me feel good that I was able to do that and help. The kids that come in there, or whatever they want to do with the money, I don't care. It's going to go to a worthy cause. And I know what you're saying. It just makes you feel good. I just love when these little kids come into Ding Darling with their parents and they see the bird collection in the cars. And the little kids come over all excited. Yeah. You know, they want their picture taken with me. And it just makes you
0: feel. They have At no age, idea. You feel. They have no idea who you who you are and what you've done in your life, mm-hmm. but they know that you're dealing with birds, and they love the shit yeah, out of you, perfect. and they just want to hang out with you a little bit, yeah. listen to you, and learn about birds. Yeah. And that, yeah. like, think about that change you're making when that little kid, you know. Yeah. It's that's that's heartwarming. I'll tell you when he left, I,
2: yeah. <laughs> and the lady that volunteered...
3: Are you going to cry? <laughs> no. <laughs> it just, he was so excited. But this lady, it's Tuesday of this week, she just brought the worst out of me.
2: Is that right? Oh, I was, you know, jokingly. Yeah. And we were talking about Willie and finally dawned on her who Willie was. <laughs> of course, the lady that volunteers with me, she had never heard of that, of course.
3: <laughs> oh ho, 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 you
2: know he's <laughs> 88 years old you know you get a yeah.
0: pass for that you get a pass for being 88 is that what you're saying
2: no i'm 88 now i'll be 89 in july
0: no i know you're saying <laughs> that you get a pass for that no <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know at my age you can say a lot you may not be able to say it your age is that right <laughs>
0: yes you know stupidity yeah No, 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 no. You're you're too humble. You're trying to play that off. (laughs) I know you're smarter than that. (laughs) Barely. Barely. Oh, man, no. And by the way, this is the first time we've been out here since the hurricane. Oh, is? In Sanibel? Yeah. I I knew it was bad, but I didn't know it was this bad. You go up West Gulf, you can't
2: believe All those big hotels or motels or whatever the hell they were, apartments, you you can look right through them they're stripped on the inside no doors no windows they're all blown out
1: yeah we took a little drive down periwinkle uh looking for looking for a shop to buy some beer and i'm like yeah there there was a store down this way but not oh, anymore
3: there's a lot of
2: them are for sale we're yeah the end.
1: yeah we saw just so many buildings that were empty gutted yeah see like you said you see right through them and yeah. he says it's kind of dead out here i'm like well yeah everything's closed yeah well at the same
0: time that's what i mean yeah it's quiet it's quieter out here but you know the water i I don't know what it is but i feel like the water is beautiful right now yeah the environment i mean terrible terrible storm to have to like go through and just like survive but you know it may have like helped restore some of the environment a little bit i don't know
1: do you think the water looks better does it look more clear than it was before the storm came
0: i don't know about okay It looks pretty good now. I mean.
1: Looks good now, yeah.
0: Yeah. Looks great. And we were talking about the grass flats and the water coming back, which, you know, like we said, this is a huge area for birding. So, and it's not just birding, but you got a lot of fish and wildlife that come through here. And we were just wondering, oh, is this storm, it slows the level of progression and development in this area down. Is that going to allow the environment to recover? And would the fish, the trout come back? Would, would the fish come back and the birds I heard come back? today,
2: recently, <clears throat> that the guides are doing very well, fishing guides.
0: Is that right? Yeah. I bet they are.
2: Yeah. Yesterday morning, well, I was coming over to PT. Went up over the causeway here, and there must have been six, seven boats, fishing boats, guides, right off to the right. mm mm-hmm.
1: Well, it is April. It's tarpon, tarpon season starts now, starting up. Yeah, so they're probably under there trying to get some uh, some of the tarpon. Or,
0: but the water the water looks great. But the little side islands are devastated. You can see the devastation from the hurricane from that. At the same time, though, we we intend to. I'm going to reach out to captains of clean water and see if I can't get somebody on. And uh, talk about the water quality and the sugar companies, you know, uh, responsibility and the backflow of the Okeechobee into the Gulf, and thus the pollution and loss of the grasslands in the water that have decimated, you know, the fish population. And if you th- if you think it's just the fish, it's beyond that. You know, we've got mussels here. We've yeah. got you know, we got birds that come here. We got a lot of quite. A- quite a lot of exotic birds that come through here, which is why it's a birding destination. Um so I'd be interested to have somebody and, and I'd like to find a whistleblower to come out and talk about you know, that. I was bit. Just
2: wondering someone at Dingarley <coughs> might be of interest to talk to. You let me know. Yeah. Let me see who the biologist is.
0: Yeah. Oh, that would be a great person to talk to actually. That's a great idea. The other thing we want to do is bring on a um an uh oh gosh an archaeologist. archaeologist that's right archaeologist to discuss the uh the calusa indians oh. and their civilization and also their departure like kind of from what we know of kind of the, you know some of them were captured during the spanish-american uh war and you know, taken to uh, Cuba and the other Caribbean islands, and some of them migrated north. But we really, other than that, we really don't understand what happened to them entirely. You
2: know, you can use my name if you like. Uh, Eric Lindblad. Eric Lindblad was the head of SCCF for a long time, and he since retired a couple years ago or decided, you know, he would be the perfect guy to talk.
0: Is that right about the Clusa Indians?
2: Well, that I'm not. I I would. I'll reach out
0: to him. He might be. We'll talk to him about. I'll throw your name around. Hey, hey. I'm going to throw your name around at some restaurants tonight when I go to eat get a steak. I'm going to see if that gives me a discount. Well, you will appear. <laughs> Is that right? In cellos or whatever. Well, I wanna I want a steak tonight, but they'll probably bring me salmon with ketchup and brown, <laughs> and brown sugar. Yeah. <laughs> no. uh, Okay, I think that's it for today. I think we're oh, pretty good. Jeez,
2: don't leave. Yeah.
0: No, I don't, we don't have to leave. I'm just going <laughs> to shut down.
1: Um, got anything? Well, just thank you, everybody, for listening. <clears throat> uh, remember um, that we do have links posted up for, for the Patreon donations where we will be uh, donating to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation as well as the Spinal Muscular Atrophy Foundation and Muscular Dystrophy. Um, also, just follow us, share with your friends, hit the like on YouTube, subscribe, five star rating, whatever, whatever platform you're on. Um, help us out by by doing those things that help out these types of shows.
2: I'll be happy.
1: Jim,
0: thank you very much for hanging out with us. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate enjoy it. Enjoy it. Yeah. Well, let's go get
2: you some. Know, when you then. talk to those wooden birds, they've never talked. To
3: them. <laughs> <laughs> Man, That's right. Uh, it. It's surprising. I get
2: a chance to talk. We'll talk in the PT.
3: Yes. <laughs> shit,
0: I, I talked to people in the waiting room there. I knew it. I knew it. You're a people person. it. Right. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody.
3: Take it easy.